Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Bobby, we're going to Walker's Point this week to a building that I, you know, I pass every day on the way to work. This is the Select Sound Building, and you'd recognize it right on Water and National. It's got uh, this really distinct blue cladding that you can see. Yeah, and it looks like, I mean, I think loads of people, if they don't recognize it just from that description, if they see a picture of it, they would immediately recognize it. And it looks like a building that's probably from the 60s or 70s, you know, like some sort of industrial building. But what's really interesting is underneath that cladding, uh, there is actually a complex of buildings that were built in the 1890s and first few years of the 1900s and all that still survives under there but we should point out that the cladding is not coming down the cladding is staying but the future of the business the business is changing quite a bit we're going to talk more about its next chapter a little bit later on but um let's talk about select sound this was the most recent resident there and it's been there since the 70s right yeah, so the business goes back much longer. Uh, the guy that founded it, Bob Paquette, uh, had been sort of a lifelong tinkerer, uh, like fixing radios and things since he was a kid. And he started a business in his house while he was a gymnastics teacher. <laughs> he was doing this on the side, ultimately expanded into a storefront on Fleet Street, and then in the 70s uh, ended up at this building. Um which he owned for many years and loads of local musicians worked there. All kinds of people would uh, go there to have, to buy telephone systems, uh, intercom systems to rent PAs. I remember when I worked at Schwartz bookshop, we'd go there when we needed to rent like a projector and a screen, Okay, all kinds of stuff. And they could repair things like audio stuff and they had parts for audio stuff. So it's kind of like a local, local radio shack almost even before radio shack, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but a local radio shack times a hundred because he had so much stuff <laughs> and um, you didn't have to give me your address. Like you used to have to do a radio shack. So they could send you the <laughs> yeah. I suppose right in the seventies, there was a lot, a lot more little electronics that needed repair. And um, you know, I suppose that was back when people actually re- repaired electronics instead of just throwing them out. Huh? Right. I think of like my, my grandfather who uh, lived until 1989, he was, he could fix anything. So he would, I'm sure he went there all the time to buy parts to fix things. And Bob also had a really impressive microphone collection. Yeah, he had a, upstairs in this building, he had a microphone museum, which was in this paneled room um, and had shelves and shelves and shelves of microphones of all different shapes and sizes and types and vintages. And there were all like microphones used by presidents, all kinds of stuff. Um, and that collection, after Bob died, that collection was sold to another collector. Well, coming up in the next part of our conversation, we're going to go back even farther and talk about this connection to early aviation. That's in our extended conversation at RadioMilwaukee.org slash podcast. Don't stress about that car you don't need. Embrace the lazy days of summer by donating it to Radio Milwaukee. We accept many kinds of vehicle donations, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, and even RVs. Pickup is free, and you could get a tax deduction. Donate your vehicle now and then kick back and enjoy the great music and stories you help to support. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to start your donation today. And we're back on Urban Spelunking in Walker's Point, first in National and the former Select Sound Building. We talked about Bob and his microphone collection, but there was another family that was connected to this building that had this, this pioneering son. So let's talk about the Meisenheimer family. Yeah, so the Meisenheimers were involved in this, not just these buildings, but even buildings that were on this site 
that are no longer there for many decades. The, a guy named uh, Edward Meisenheimer started a printing company there in the mid 1880s. Um, but at that point, his family had already been living there in a cottage, which uh, was moved um, slightly south to be able to build the buildings that are there now. Um, but his dad, Philip Meisenheimer, um, was like a 30-year Milwaukee Fire Department uh, engineer. He worked on um, a fire engine, and he was at the the uh, third ward. The, I'm sorry, the fifth ward. I'm sorry. Let me say this again. <laughs> Uh, and take he, two. That's fine. Yeah, and he was nearby at uh, Engine Company Three, which you know is just down National Avenue. Uh, yeah, right up, right up the street, right? Yeah, there's a restaurant in there now. But yeah, so he yeah. worked there for like thir- almost thirty years, and in 1871, he went to Chicago to help fight the Chicago Fire with his company. Um, and he was very well known. He was one of the longest serving firemen at the at the time when he died, and he was one of the oldest at the time when he died. Were there a lot of Milwaukee firefighters that were tapped to fight that fire? Yeah, I think from a, a lot of firefighters came from all over the region to help them fight that fire, including Milwaukee. Yeah. I'm just thinking about response times and communication. It must have been, uh, you think about firefighting back then when, um, I mean, was this the, the like the horseback era? or was Yeah, this, yeah. The... this was the horseback era. So you can imagine how long this fire was raging that, that they had time yeah. for people to go down there and help continue to put out the fire, you know, like it just must've taken them at least a, an entire day just to get there. <laughs> just to clarify, how was that family connected to this building? So then, um, the Meisenheimers lived on the site. Uh, Philip was the dad firefighter. His son, Edward starts this printing company. Um, and then they build the buildings oh, on okay, this that the family owns, um, on the site on first and national. So what kind of printing business was this? They printed everything, apparently. It was just like a general printing business. They printed um, note cards, business cards, uh, letterhead, like just all kinds of things. Um, And it lasted for a long time. The company lasted into the 1960s um, in that same location. And then ultimately was bought out by Manpower. And Manpower used it it as its own in-house printing business. I guess manpower must have had a lot of in-house <laughs> printing needs. Um, and then ultimately they moved out and then that's when Select Sound moved in. But um, the really interesting guy in the Meisenheiser family. Yeah. Is, let me, can, can I pop in and ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the son Giles. He was that, that aviation pioneer that, that you mentioned in the story. What was going on with the son Giles? Yeah. So Giles was the son of Edward, the grandson of the firefighter, Philip. Um, and he was really interested in aviation uh, really early. So he decided he wanted to fly. He was in the Wisconsin National Guard Cavalry, but when World War I started, you know, the United States didn't have an Air Force at the time. So he right. served um, as a lieutenant in the Canadian Royal Flying Corps and the British Royal Air Corps during World War I, and he was training pilots in Canada. Um, and then when the war ended, he flew home to Milwaukee um, and he landed his plane when he flew home to Milwaukee in Lake Park. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a flex. In, in April 1919. Um, and then interestingly, <laughs> he took a um, the Milwaukee Journal automobile editor um, in a plane. And it was like the first airplane tour of the state, apparently. They like flew all over Wisconsin. Um, but then at this point, Giles is 26 and he's becomes like this massive pioneer in Milwaukee. He's named the first president of Curtis Wisconsin airplane company. Um, He 
is like the first guy to run the first Milwaukee airport and a flying school at the Lisbon Road Airport, which is now Curry Park, uh, where the golf course is. Um, and we're talking like 19 and this is the teens 20s. and 20s. Yeah, teens and 20s. Yeah. yeah. So he's really, um, he's, he's, you know, in the Wisconsin Aviation Hall of Fame. He's, you know, he's got, he's a, um, when he died in 1963, the newspapers, you know, described him as a pioneer flyer. Um, so he's definitely probably the most influential person to be connected to that building because he also worked after um after a while he ends up working for like 20 years in the family printing business at that site as well so not only did he live there with his family um in their cottage on that site he also worked at the printing company what i think is so interesting about this story too is that you know if you just wind back one generation and, and talk about select sound with bob i mean that's that's a pretty unique story just in and in, in and of itself yeah you know the microphone collection and all those years and decades of of like that specialty work you know really um really a, a unique local niche business but then you look back just one more generation and there's this whole other story just sitting right there with this meisenheimer family and this uh this connection to the, that first airport and to I mean, I'm thinking about that journalist that went up on the plane and did the tour of Wisconsin. What a life-changing experience that must have been. Yeah, could you imagine? And that's what I love about these stories is you think, okay, you go in and you say, oh, well, this is the Select Sound building and here's the story of Select Sound. But like you said, if you go back a little further, you get three generations of Meisenheimers who were really interesting people. This dad who was the firefighter, um, then this first son, Edward, who was the um, printing magnate and ran these other businesses as well and was uh, and actually um i if i remember correct i might get this wrong but I, if I one of the one of them was also an alderman and like the president of the common oh council, really of I course yeah that. there's always an alderman <laughs> right. in there somewhere yeah. right and then you get the guy you know and you get um then you get giles who's this massively important uh figure in wisconsin aviation history and then there's also this tie to to manpower like just a huge milwaukee like global company. It's just interesting. That's what I love about these stories is that you just really never know what you're going to find. You just start researching an address and all of these things come, come up. It's, you know, and it's so rare. I find that you do this research and nothing comes up. I mean, it happens, but it's extremely rare. Much more common is the fact that this whole sort of interesting history starts to unravel and you get to, to learn these interesting stories. And we're not done. There's a whole next chapter planned for this building. Let's talk about what's next. Yeah. So now um, it has a new owner um, and um, a new renter of the base, basically a renter of the entire building uh, occupant, which is uh, Paul Knievers, a local musician, a uh, guy who's been a recording engineer and producer for decades and decades. I made a record with him in 1992. Oh, really? When wow. he owned Cornerstone Studios across from... Uh, sabbatic in walker's okay, so he's been in milwaukee for a while then oh yeah yeah, yeah definitely a guy that's been around forever who's <laughs> uh been in bands like all that kind of stuff so now he is running this place he's uh moving his uh recording studio in there and um he's gonna have a bunch of studio related stuff like a mastering suite and overdubbing rooms yes, and all kinds of that's stuff really like exciting that. but he's also renting out a, um he's basically divided up the rest of the building into spaces that are being used as band rehearsal studios, uh, photography studios by photographers, artists are using them as their, you know, studios to paint and do whatever sort of art they, each one of them does. Um, 
and he's got a big space that he and his wife Kat are gonna convert into like a live music venue slash uh, coffee shop during the day slash uh, wine bar. Um, so a lot of stuff going on in there, but there's a ton of space. So as, as much as he's doing, he could probably do more in terms of space. But, um, but that's partially why the, the cladding is not going to come down. I mean, first of all, if you took the cladding down, you'd have to do a ton of work to restore the facade of the building underneath, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. It's been covered up for a while, yeah, right? Yeah, Which is a lot of money. And the, the, the biggest part would be replaced. There's, if you look at the, photo that I have in my story of what it looks like without the cladding on it, you'll see there are like literally dozens and dozens and dozens of windows, which would probably all need to be replaced, um, which is another massive expense. But as long as he's got bands in there making noise, the, in addition to providing sort of um, energy efficiency, the cladding also helps keep the sound of the bands in the building. You know, and it's safer. So people don't have to worry about somebody climbing in the window and stealing their drums you know yeah so, which, yeah which, has, happened, like which you, has happened to me too so, <laughs> so I totally it sounds get like it. you've made peace with the cladding i have made peace with the cladding. i don't love the cladding <laughs> but i understand the cladding but i mean how cool is this business going to be though that it's going to be um bringing all this vibrant you know activity and creativity and collaboration and rehearsal space and you know live music i'm i can imagine um you know unless you had a reason to go to select sound you probably wouldn't have gone but like this will I think provide a lot more reasons for people to visit, especially if they're doing concerts and um, you know, other kinds of art kind of reminds me almost of like, like bar gallery up the street where, you know, artists can rent um, gallery and, and um, creative space. And there's a lot of, you know, Lincoln warehouse and other kind of space. Yeah, like right. this. And, and Hyde house was like, I'm not sure if Hyde house mm-hmm. is still like that, but Hyde house used to be like that too. Are you, you know, and he's also going to have a gal. They're also going to have a gallery in here. So it's like you said, so some of the artists who are in the building can show their work. So they will be public facing, stuff here and he's got a lot of the spaces rented already i mean i think there are still spaces available but oh, I bet, yeah. a lot of them are rented so um, it's uh, it's going to be a vibrant place and they're important places to have in town i mean i can i say this because i was in bands and you know we used to practice in loads of really insanely sketchy places <laughs> that to, it wasn't safe to be loading equipment in and out at three in the morning after a show or something or even for the you know some of the places just you know, we're probably fire traps, <laughs> not just not safe to be in, you know? So it's, sure. it's nice yeah, to have new electrical. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that's why it's nice to have places like this where there's somebody taking care of the place that, you know what I mean? Right. And it's, and it's, um, and you've got a lot of, a lot of other like-minded people around you to help kind of keep everybody keep watch out for each other. Yeah. It's just really cool to see this like specialty in audio too, that, you know, just selfishly from like a radio station perspective, that there's going to be another place for Milwaukee creatives to, to make music and to perform. Um, we see a lot of these, uh, you know, so much, so much music is going to be coming to Milwaukee, Bobby. I think about these new venues and how we're transforming into more of a music city and uh, places like this that give those opportunities to local artists too, I think is, uh, you know, a really important piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. I think you're a hundred percent right. Well, when does it open? And, and it's open now. And what's, it's yeah. Open. yeah. I mean, he, I'm not sure what his timeline is for getting the, the um, public facing spaces open. I think he would like to do it as soon as possible. Um, it sounded like his plan was to be ready by sometime this calendar year, but I'm sure there's a lot, um, a lot of factors that will go into that. Well, Bobby, we got to get you the, uh, like the DJ Khaled, another one, because here <laughs> you've done it again, finding so much interesting history, you know, in what was already a really interesting building and an interesting business and then finding so much more there. So 
Um, can you close us out with one more little bit of trivia before we go? Okay, so this is a little bit of trivia. One of one of the people who has a rehearsal space in the studio, and I wouldn't say this if he hadn't said it publicly. <laughs> I wouldn't want to out him in case he didn't. Right, this was on know. social media. John Sparrow, who is the drummer for the Violent Femmes, uh, has a space oh, in cool. this building. So it's probably where, you know, he plays, you know, how Victor, the original drummer from the Femmes, used to play um, that overturned, like, washtub kind of thing. Um, hey, when they were here at, at the uh, the station, they were playing a Weber grill. I was going to say, John <laughs> plays a Weber grill. So I imagine he has a nice lineup of cool uh, uh, Weber grill percussion instruments in, in his studio there. <laughs> hey, if you made it to the end, some really great trivia, uh, as always. And uh, I think there's, there, there is definitely video on 88.9's YouTube of them when the Violent Femmes were here playing, playing that Weber grill for a drum, which is really fun, too. We'll link that up. Well, podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. And take a moment to rate and review the podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. Give us a rating on the five-point scale on whatever um, platform you're using. Or take a moment and, and write a review, too. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we are bringing you new episodes every Tuesday. In fact, next week, we're talking uh, We're talking about a whenever we post about um, you could live in a school. <laughs> we always get a lot of, a lot of <laughs> love for these. This is one of those schools that was converted to apartments and is opening soon. Yeah. Um, and we will have the story on that. All right. That's coming up next week, Bobby. We'll talk to you then. Talk to you then.